podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. And fired home by Perisic! It's Eric Dyer, bang! Here's Lucas Moura, oh they done it! What a strike by Bissouma. Audius flying in again and wins it. Great work from Romero. What a save by Lloris. Jed Spence. Oh! Oh! Welcome to The Last Word on Spurs. We hope you're keeping very, very safe and well. Thank you so much for joining us for a very early edition of Last Word on Spurs. I know many people already waiting in the comments for us early. Listen, if you've been watching, listening Last Word on Spurs for the last six, seven years, when are we ever earlier than usual? So thank you so much for joining us. Show one of four this week. Been trying to find a way of getting this very special man onto Last Word on Spurs. We have made it happen again. But before we introduced our special guest of this evening, delighted to have back alongside me, always for these great feature shows. We've got the wonderful Matt Hayes, runs a superb YouTube channel, Matty, thank you so much for joining us again. How are you? I'm all good, Ricky. As always, a, a pleasure coming on here. And I've I spent my day at work focusing on the, the beautiful game in Asia with Korea, Qatar and China. So it's nice to tra- travel around the globe with the, the South American focus tonight. And I'm really looking forward to it. Absolutely. Who says we don't cover all bases on last word on Spurs? Continents, countries, you know where to find us. We've got, listen, he needs no introduction to anyone that watches, listens to talk sport searches the football globe sky sports news we've got freelance football journalists we've got the wonderful also spurs fan can i also add a little bit if he doesn't mind me asking and then telling him that everyone we've got the wonderful tim vickery in the house tim fantastic to be on the last one on spurs how are you i'm very well uh i'm really look, looking forward to to hearing this very special guest uh i can't i don't know who he is you know um but <laughs> lovely to be here and i hope i hope i'm gonna learn something over the next few minutes i hope you're gonna you're, you're gonna teach me a few things about Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. Well, I was, I was hoping you could teach us, Tim. To be honest with you, you've got a lot more experience and knowledge than us, I tell you, put together. So um, we're, we're absolutely delighted to have your last one on Spurs. Like I said, we try and make this, if we can, quarterly, um, half the year round. Lots of comments already for you, Tim. Lots of love pouring in for you. Wonderful to have you on last one on Spurs. I think it's fair to say last time we had you on, uh, such is the nature of Tottenham and the soap opera, I think Spurs were searching for a manager. I think at one point you might have even been getting it, Tim. We were looking for candidates. It was just absolutely crazy. But... Thankfully, it seems to have all calmed down and um, things are relatively normal in the life of Tottenham. Is that unusual for me to be saying that to you, Tim? Yeah, it is, yeah. Although uh, I would still have Pochettino back. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a widow of, of Pochettino. Can we have him back, please? I'd love to have him back. Even um, right now, Tim, yeah? Even right now? Yeah, well, yeah, even right now. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I'm, for a number of reasons, I'm, I'm feeling a long way away from the club. And one of those is... And it's hard being on the other side of the Atlantic, you know, and I haven't been to a game. And the pandemic stopped me going back, you know, for a, for a long, long time. And I was back for the first time in June. But obviously there was no games. Uh, and that was, so that was the first time since late 2019 when I brought my wife over. She runs half marathon. She came over for a half marathon. So it was, it was, that was a treat for her. And it just so happened that her last Saturday, we were at home to Watford and I thought, I can't do it to her. I can't make her spend her last Saturday on a cold late October day, taking her to see Watford, Tottenham against Watford. So I still haven't seen the new stadium. 
Um, the last game I was I, I was in the ground for was at Wembley. Um, I was back for the, the World Cup draw. Uh, so that's the end of 2017. And I saw us thrash Stoke at Wembley. That's still under, under Pochettino. And so I, I'm feeling a long, long way away. You know, I, I've, I've discovered before that I need to go back for a couple of games and I need to hear the songs in order to, to, to strengthen that, that emotional bond. Mm. And with the way it is at the moment, I mean, I've total respect for, for Conte and what he's achieved and what he is achieving. But as Bob Dylan might have said, it ain't me, babe. You know, it, it, I'm, I'm still a widow of Pochettino in, in, <laughs> in that sense. So I'm, I'm struggling a little bit emotionally. Uh, and well, I'll have to come back uh, and I'll have to see us gloriously snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Uh, and, you know, that's what you sign up for. You sign up for, for this, this glorious inconsistency and the moments of, of, of absolute magic and just the hope of hanging on and, and winning something. You know, we're the first English club to win a European trophy. So that that's that that's that, that's the, the tradition. So I'm not trying to make excuses for losing. Uh, I wonder, gentlemen, esteemed friends, I wonder that if we had backed Pochettino at that time, the way that Conte is being backed now, mm. I wonder where we would be. Now, that for me is the big lesson of yeah. the last few years. Those those seasons that were lost because Pochettino was a victim of his own success, if you like, in working within what the club had. It seems that the lesson has been learnt and Conte is, is being backed. But where might we be or where might we have been over the last two or three years had Pochettino been backed at a similar stage in his evolution with the club? Very good evening to you. It's, it's a very interesting team you say that. I mean, we've been laughing the last one on Spurs in the last month or so. Everybody now has seemed to have forgotten Pochettino. <laughs> uh, not forgotten him, but have kind of put it to a side because everyone's in love with Conte. And here we are. Uh, we're, we're back in that cycle again. But listen, I, I think there's total respect for Pochettino. I think we have to all probably acknowledge that. I mean, I don't know if you agree, Matty, that probably without Pochettino, Spurs would never have got Antonio Conte. So in a way, I don't know if you think, Matty, it's been a cycle to get from, you know, Pochettino to then Conte. Probably will blip out Nuno out of that, Matty. But I mean, based on what we're seeing at the moment with Conte, can anybody argue with the way Spurs are performing? Although maybe the start of the season hasn't been the prettiest. When you look at the last two games, we are getting those results that arguably, as we've seen last season, um, the previous three fixtures, when you compare them to last season, Spurs have picked up seven out of nine. They didn't obviously get any of points from these last season. Yeah, look, I, I have to start and say I, I agree with um, a lot of the sentiment that Tim Tim puts forward there about Pochettino. Um I, to be honest, the, the Pochettino Spurs was was the first the first time that I, I truly fell in love with the game. You know, I was I would have been what thirteen or fourteen when when he took over, and I would have been watching Spurs before that. But it, it was just ev the the way that we played. Even if we didn't win, it was just played so beautifully, and everything about the club, everything was done for the right reasons. You know, we had a lot of young players coming through the system. There was a, a huge English contingent in that, and even as an Irishman, I was I was proud to see five Spurs players in in a starting English team. Um, and everything that was done around then from from Pochettino and his staff and, and that squad was something that we were all as proud of. 
Um, and I again, I agree. He was a, he was a victim of of his own success because you put any manager in the situation that Pochettino got with with the with the funds he got with the the squad that he inherited with the you know the the lack of control that he had in so many departments. There's not many managers, if any, that will be able to to achieve what he achieved. And without him, the club wouldn't have ended up on the trajectory that it did. And could you imagine if if it was a, a different manager, a different manager that was there, despite the shortcomings of Jose Mourinho when when he was at the club? What other stepping stone can you see from Andre Villas Boas, Tim Sherwood, up to Jose Mourinho? You know, it's what what, what Pochettino achieved was was absolutely immense. But mm. I have to say, I just adore Antonio Conte. You know, it's uh, I, I I admit that maybe we're not playing as pretty as we used to under Pochettino, or or as well, and you're not. You know, it's not proper possession-based football. We're not always pressing from the front, but we're winning games. And, and that I think is is a massive difference. And obviously, we won a lot of games under Pochettino, but in those game, that game against Wolves at the weekend, when we really struggled in that first half, past versions of Tottenham, I, I wouldn't trust that they could come out in that second half and uh, and find that goal to, to to be the difference. Whereas with Conte, I think we always have that feeling in the back of our minds, no matter what, that the team could just could grind out something. And I, I'm never gonna I'm never gonna say no to that. I just love the man. I mean, it's interesting. Listen, Tim, there's a lots of lots of Spurs fans that are watching and listening right now. Actually, agree with you. Uh, Avratron Wembley one says, "Wow, Tim on last one of Spurs, just fantastic." Does he recall our battles in the mid seventies of relegation? Tim, absolutely spot on regarding Poch being back three to five years ago. But as always, it does come back to Chairman Daniel Levy. Sadly, I just wonder, Tim, listen, whether now Spurs are, as you've said, learning from the past. Now, back in Antonio Conte, like they haven't really done with any previous manager in the last 20 years of Enoch being at the helm. Do you think now we're seeing that lesson being learnt, Tim, based on so. yeah, the summer? Yeah, I think so. I think it it, it is difficult to compete. Because uh, remember, you're, you're competing with, with petrodollars and you're competing with states. It's very hard, you know. And we, we've seen, I think we've seen a radical change in, in football finances over the last 10, 15 years. I mean, if if you will, in a completely dispassionate way, allow me to present Arsenal as an example of that dynamic. You know, I think when they moved into the Emirates, there was a genuine promise made to their fans that with the increased capacity, they would be able to compete with Man United for the serious honours. I think, I think at the time that was serious. But then what happened? Two things happened. The financial crisis, two thousand and eight, and also the the influx of states with bottomless pockets. So, I think the people running Arsenal there, they thought, well, we can't spend rationally, businessly, in a business sense, we can't spend the amount of money that it's going to take to win the Premier League. So, what are we going to do? It's a business proposition. We're just happy to qualify for the Champions League and get the money and keep it ticking over. Now, what happens as a consequence of that is that then a culture of speed, of sporting mediocrity seeks through the club. Everyone becomes aware that the aim is not to win. And Arsene Wenger probably did a very, very good job keeping them qualified for the Champions League year after year after year. But they were on a, on a, on a downward spiral. So it is hard financially to, to compete. Um, because now with the Premier League, we've seen with the experience of Arsenal, Man United. Man United, for me, the history of Man United is almost a, 
an emblem of everything that's gone wrong with our country over the, over the last few decades. You know, the debt leverage finance. It's a, it's a model based on extraction more than anything else. So it, it's not easy even to qualify for the Champions League and get that money. Hence these junkies, these profit junkies, these risk-averse junkies leaping at the chance of going into the, the, the of, of forming this Super League, which the fans beat back for now anyway. One of the few moments in recent times I've, I've, I've been able to feel proud of my country when, when, when the fans revolted against that idea. So there is a temptation there just to cut a few corners. Thankfully, I think that Tottenham have learned their lesson. And obviously the pandemic didn't help. And investing in this magnificent stadium that I still haven't seen and not being able to fill it, you know, that, that, all of that didn't help. But we've seen in this transfer window how the club is now acting differently. With Hishalison, you're strengthening a part of the team, the vital part of the team, the part that gets goals, but the part of the team that's already strong. I don't remember them doing that before. No. And also, yep. not looking to do business your important business at the end of the window. Why would you do business at the end of the window? There are three reasons. One, the Casemiro move, panic. What can we do to put our finger in the dike? Two, long-term. It's someone we're just going to bring in now. He's not going to be important to us. you know. So it doesn't matter if he comes in now or earlier. You know, We're just going to bring him and bed him in. Three, we're playing poker. If we wait to the end of the window, you know, we wait till it and, and we're offering the money. And, you know, if you don't take it now, it ain't going to be there until the next window and you get the price down that way. And that's the way that Tottenham have operated for a, for a fair time, isn't it? But not this time, it seems. You know, the big business has been done earlier. So uh, I, I, I sincerely hope now that, that lessons have been learned. Although all roads lead back to the point of, you know, if only if only we'd been like this under Pochettino. Mm. No, interesting. Now, Matt, I just want to bring you in before we actually get into the crux of the show. I mean, what have you made of the start so far, Matt? You listen, we've had you on throughout a number of different shows this summer, a lot of the feature shows. But if I said to you before the start of the season, you know, three games in, seven out of a possible nine, when you consider, you know, what Spurs have done in the past, how they've started uh, other seasons, are you happy in terms of the way Spurs have started, despite not playing or playing the most attractive football, I think we can all say we yet to see really end the content, but we're getting the results. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, seven out of nine points. Seven out of nine points means we've we've been unbeaten and we've been to Stamford Bridge. And I think any Tottenham fan would would uh, would bite your hand off for that. And I think we we did play the football that that we desire in that opening game against Southampton. Might have taken you know a while to to get things going, but you'd you'd expect that preseason or early season rustiness. Um, but it's it's the stage of the season, and it may be a bit cliche to say that. I mean, every stage of the season is one where you need to get three points, no matter how you play. But I think now is is a, we're at that point, especially because you look at Liverpool dropping points in their first two games. You Man United and West Ham yet to pick up a point, um, kind of keep it ahead of them. But also, and God, it pains me to say, it, it's just keeping in touch with Arsenal at this point in the season, with the the relatively easy easy fixture list that they have. Let's not pretend they're not playing incredible football but their fixture list is um is favorable for them at the moment um and we we just need to to keep in touch because when it gets down to business when 
when European football starts coming back in, when we start with the cup competitions and, of course, the, the mid-season World Cup, a, a lot is going to change. And if Tottenham go through a bad patch, if we have uh, you know, Champions League fatigue, if we have players maybe pick up an injury to at the World Cup, I think these points that we're picking up at this point of the season could be crucial come April or May when God knows who's going to be where and, and what the situation is going to be. Um, so if you'd said seven points out of nine at the start of the season, I absolutely would have taken it. I would have maybe hoped that we'd be a bit more convincing in the win against Wolves and maybe we wouldn't be as perhaps as lucky as we were to get the point at Stamford Bridge. But it's it's a start that is a very good foundation and a good basis for us to to really push on for the rest of the season. And have to remember as well, Ivan Perisic is the only new signing who's, who's actually started the game. You know, Richarlison has been effective in the games where he's come on. Spence hasn't been on the pitch yet. Basuma hasn't started the game. So there's certainly a lot more to come from this squad. And I'm hoping from another signing or two as well. Um, so we, we've definitely started the season in, not in the perfect way, but in, in a very, very solid way. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Listen, it, it's solid without being, listen, at our best. And I think that's quite exciting for a lot of Spurs fans that we're actually yet to see us hit our peak. It does feel like there's more to come. We're just stepping through the gears. What we will just do is we'll just go for our first break of the show for our listeners that are on audio. Hi, everyone. Richard Cracknell here at Mr. Cracknell Across the Socials with your September events for you to attend. Live Q&A nights, Friday the 2nd of September at Camberley Heath Golf Club in Surrey, the great Glen Hoddle. On Friday the 9th of September at Dartford Football Club, South East Thames Spurs have Michael Dawson. Saturday the 10th of September, Ian Holloway at Forest Hills Golf Club in Colford, Gloucestershire. John Barnes on the 29th of September, he's at Tyrrellswood Golf Club in Leatherhead. And on Friday the 30th of September... Worcestershire Official Spurs Supporters Club have Chris Waddle at Worcestershire County Cricket Ground. So there you go, September's update of live Q&A events. For watching audience on YouTube again, thank you so much for joining us, guys. Um, we know we're battling live football, um, battling, like I say, it's a Monday night commute. So thank you so much for finding the time, as always, for last one on Spurs. We're joined by the brilliant Matty Hayes, who runs a superb YouTube channel. And needing no introduction, we've got the wonderful Tim Vickery back on Last Word on Spurs. As King Oddle says there, one of our regular viewers and watchers, I never miss the Legendino on the world football phone-in. So there you go, Later Tim, on tonight, morning. mate. Later on tonight. <laughs> Lots of love already for that, Tim. Um, let's get into the crux of it now. Uh, Tim, coming over to you. Listen, as I've said, seven points out of a possible nine. We know you're watching from afar. Maybe it's not connected as what you maybe wish you could be. But what have you made personally of Spurs' start to the season given the fact that Conte now, it's a first full season in charge. Uh, it looks like he's been back sufficiently so far this window. We've hopefully a couple of more to come, but what have you made from it from the outside, Tim, looking in on Spurs' the, start? They're much further down the line than I thought would have been the case maybe eight or nine months ago. You know, when he, even even Conte was 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 worrying, you know, um, because he's 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 been the man for kind of quick fixes, hasn't he? At most of the clubs that that he's been in, uh, and came into to Tottenham, and it clearly needed a little bit more um, than that. And that that was a worry. If if that was going to fit, if he was going to be around long enough in order to make the changes, the kind of changes that he's made at other clubs. So with with that in mind, I think they're much further down the line than um, than I thought they would be, and it, it's striking how well 
the players brought in in the previous transfer window slotted in so quickly and instantly elevated the side, which has an identity and and an idea of of play. Um, so I'm I remember was it a couple of years back under Mourinho when we were top of the league after three or four games. Yep. But I remember thinking this 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 is false. This isn't you know this 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 isn't where we're going to end up. And I, f- I feared then we would end up not enjoying either the league position or the way that we got there. This time I'm feeling very early days, but I'm feeling that the house is on much, much more solid foundations. Mm. No, I do agree. It's a, it's definitely a different kind of house uh, under Conte than it was under Jose Mourinho. It definitely wasn't a happy house towards the end, that's for sure. Matty, let's turn and focus the show over to you. Yeah, transfer is my favourite part. Um, look, Tim, you you alluded to already the how, how the club are backing Antonio Conte in, in ways that I'll admit I also regret maybe didn't happen in in, in the previous uh, Pochettino era. But look, Tottenham have been have been very busy in this window. We've added six players to our pool for for the season ahead. We've also signed Destiny Adoji from Udinese. He was of course come back on loan to the Italian club. Um, Ivan Perisic, Yves Basuma, Richarlison, Clement Longley, Jed Spence, and Fraser Forster. Um, all signing and what is definitely a list better than than what I would have been hoping for or expecting maybe to start of the window. What have you made of of the business that Spurs have done? I love as we were. I was moaning earlier about waiting for the end of the window to do the business. Uh, I could never see the wisdom of that. That it, it it just looked cheap to me. So uh, now they've identified who they wanted and they've gone and got gone and got them early. Uh, and as you said, you know Perisic was the only one who started so they can bed them in and it's it's so much easier to bed players in in a good team than it is in a team that, that, that that's all over the place so uh from from all of those perspectives so much more healthy than it's been for a long long time question on the screen there tim is it for you is it quality as opposed to just adding depth to the squad is there genuine quality now from those signings in your opinion yeah i think there is yes on the lad Basuma coming in from Brighton. I mean, that's that's the, that, that's an excellent midfield option, as well as Richarlison, which was a move from the player himself that surprised me a little bit. That's interesting. I know we're going to come on to Richie during the show. Uh, and listen, again, Tim, that's why we love having you on. You're not into the South American market. Um, I'm really intrigued to get to know a bit more in terms of what you feel about Richarlison as a player, how he is going to adapt to Spurs. Because again, uh, it's players now that are not necessarily being guaranteed a starting position. It's now being part of a squad that's hopefully building towards something big. And that's what we all hope for. It is big, given how long we've had to wait. Um, given that I say, Tim, listen, we've seen seven new signings come from the door, come through the door. One obviously going back out on loan in uh, Destiny Aduji. Um, do you personally feel, Tim, you look at that squad now, do you think we're light in any other areas? Would you like to see Spurs maybe at a central attacking midfielder or... Anyone in that squad you feel we're still Yeah, right? perhaps, perhaps. But I'm going to ping this one back to you, back to the pair of you. This is where I want to learn from you. Mm. Where do you think this squad can be most improved? Want to go first, mate, or want to go me? You go first if you want me. I'll go first because I have an answer that I've been I've been uh, putting out there since last summer. And I was I was so excited to see Spurs linked with this player um, over the, the course of the window. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. But as good as Ben Davis is, I think we need someone like Alessandro Bastoni in that left centre back position, and it's it's not typically a, a, a position you'd see as as crucial to to the attacking outlet and the the offensive side of the game. The only one I could really 
think of elsewhere in the Premier League is Chris Wilder and his, his overlapping centre-backs in his first season with Sheffield United. But it's just so crucial to what Antonio Conte does. And I, I remember um, one, of, one of Conte's first games, I think it could have been the Conference League game against Ennis Mora or something. Um, but, and you're seeing Christian Romero effectively playing right wing. And I kind of think, well, this isn't going to work out. He Either he's too rash and impulsive or, or Conte just doesn't quite understand the, the limitations of the squad that he's working with. But with how effective it's been on that side, I think Ben Davis, as, as beneficial as it's been to have the experience as a left back in the position that he's playing now and carrying the ball forward, I think someone like the Bastoni, who effectively has been has been moulded by Antonio Conte, you know, he brought him through through the ranks at, at Inter Milan. I think someone like him, or it, it seems weird to look at this as a backup plan, but someone like Iasco Verdiol even would, would just slot in so well in that team. Um, I, I think right wing back as well is is a crucial one. We'll, we'll get onto that, I'm sure, in, in a lot more depth a little later on. Um, but I, I think if we can get a, a very, very good left centre back in there, one that Antonio Conte handpicks himself, I personally think we have a defence that, that's better than the Belgian wall we had um, for, for those few years. And I, I love Alderweire and Bertangen more than I can put into words, but I think we'd have something special if we could get someone like Bastoni back there too. And that is something about the back three system that it's not easy. Is it? Uh, it's. I think it's. It's much easier to defend in a four than a. To work, not to do, to play in a mm. in a yeah. four than in a three, because if you're going to have the three, then the two wide ones have got to be able to defend in open space, and two of the three must be able to bring the ball out of defence. Otherwise, otherwise you, you get stuck back, uh, and it's it's not easy to find centre backs that have those characteristics, you know, who can play at centre-back and who can have the pace to operate in open space and also have the footballing ability to bring to, and to set the rhythm from, from from the back. So back three, I think, can be difficult for, for those reasons. I think we've actually seen that too, haven't we, by the fact that Spurs have just got long lay on a loan. I mean, they, they clearly feel that for them it's a stopgap, whether they'll decide, whether they look at long lay again in the summer, depending on his performances, whether they do try and get as Matty said there, maybe a, a Bastonio Gavardi, or it, it's interesting to see how they do approach that. I mean, the thing, as we've said at the start, and as you've said, Tim, you know, Spurs have acted early and decisively for their targets. It's something that's normally out of scope for Tottenham, but Conte, I feel, has really pushed the board to do that. Um, I think the only other position I think many are also alluding to, which I'm also going to allude to, is that central attacking midfielder. I feel like, again, we've seen with Spurs that when you need a game to be turned or when you need to see out a game essentially or try and create more opportunities I think even at the weekend against Wolves I think any Tottenham fan would tell you it wasn't the most desirable performance didn't play well we just got the job done but I still feel the way Spurs are starting games that if you continue to start slow and you know this Tim as well and so do you Matty eventually we'll catch up with you there's only so there's only so many times you can start a game slow and not be punished and I think for Spurs generally um, although Conte has got a decent squad there in terms of depth for that midfield, has he really got that lock picker, that game changer? I know the likes of Madison, uh, you know, Zaniolo has been mentioned, but I know there's also a link, and you might have to forgive me here, Matty, Ruslan Malinowski, potentially, if I pronounce that guy's mm-hmm. surname right. I know a guy that's been linked with to us from Atalanta. I don't know. I mean, how do you feel, Tim? I know you've kind of thrown it back to us. Do you feel the squad is strong enough if they don't decide to bring in a central attacking midfielder before the end of the month? No, that, that that's a position that would worry me as well. Okay. Uh, yep. for for the reasons that you've set up. And mm. and the better Tottenham do, the more teams will defend against them, the more you need the player who can who can un- unlock the key. Yep. But it, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because you've got to attract someone 
who is in the Richarlison position. Big name player may not start every game. Exactly. Yep. It's the problem. Not easy yep. to do. No. I, I think that's the problem, isn't it? That, that's the problem. I mean, how do you spend that 60, 70 million on a player that you're going to say to them, you'll be part of a squad, but you won't start every week. But is that is that different? I don't know, Matty, where that player's going to be coming in and believing that he could be part of a squad that could compete for the league or compete for trophies. Do you see what I mean? It, it does for under Conte, that's slightly different than what it would be under Nuno or under Mourinho to some degree at Spurs. Yeah, and I was, I was actually only kind of thinking of bringing this up when, when Tim was uh, reminiscing about Pochettino earlier. Um, there, there, there was a few windows when we, we did spend a bit of money and there were some players that we were linked with. And I think the, the best example of it is with, with the strikers that we could bring in under Pochettino. It was Vincent Janssen and it was Carlos Vinicius. And you know, there were players that you never really thought would, would get into that starting eleven. And back then we had the issue where everyone knew our eleven. You know, everyone could name that starting eleven every single week, barring an injury or something like that. And I think Alvaro Morata, a few years back, he said when he joined Chelsea, he, he potentially came close to a move to Spurs um, around the same time, but kind of thought about it b- before things got too advanced and realised he wasn't going to start ahead of Harry Kane. And that was a problem we had back then. But I kind of think with how Tottenham have been able to get, especially someone like Yves Basuma and, and Richarlison into the squad this window, is that as good as we are and as as high as my expectations are for the, the upcoming season, there are some weaknesses in that team. And there are some, some areas where you think, you know, we, we, we could improve on that. And if you're a player like Basuma at the start of last season said he, he's the best midfielder in the Premier League, I'd, I'd probably have to push back on him a little bit with that. But with that sort of mentality, even if you are coming into a team with uh, you know a, a solid midfield pairing that, that's almost set in stone of Hoybier and Skipper, Hoybier and Bentoncourt, he's still going to have that, that feeling that he can get into that team. And the beautiful thing about that is that's exactly the, the mentality that Conte needs in there. That's exactly the type of player that he wants in that squad who can feel as though he's better than everybody else. But when you're someone like Gabriel Jesus, who has been at Manchester City for the last four or five years and was initially second choice to, to Sergio Aguero, and then he moves on, you think maybe he'll get a chance on that team. But things just keep going. Phil Foden's playing the false nine. Sometimes Sterling is put centrally. For, for Jesus, I think the appeal of getting first-team football at Arsenal in the Europa League, rather than having to compete for first-team football in the Champions League with Spurs, it is maybe that Europa League spot is just a bit more appealing. Um, so I, I think wh- whatever way you look at it, 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 it just depends on the player and, and what that player has had, what that player wants. Um, and I, I think Spurs have just done a very, very good job in identifying the players who who, who just are willing to fight for that, that spot in the team and kind of have that feeling that maybe in, in a year or two, there will be some silverware in, in, that, in that cabinet. Mm. Uh, I, I think it's a really, really interesting point. And what we will just do is we will just go for our next break of the show uh, for our listeners and audio. Phoenix 51 is a powerful employee technology enabling organisations to make data-driven decisions at every stage of the employee journey from hiring through benchmarking and development too. The platform provides detailed analytics on the most important asset in your business, your people enabling organizations not only to make the correct hiring decisions but also how to benchmark train and retain them phoenix 51 powering your people decisions through every part of the employee journey for our watching audience on youtube there's a good nearly 400 500 of you plus watching us live we're battling monday night football we've got the wonderful tim vickery joining us on last one spurs and the superb matty hayes listen we have a little bit of a break away from 
all the transfer market and have a South American focus on Arsenal and Spurs, which is lovely to do with the great Tim Vickery. Um, I think it's the next favourite subject coming your way, Tim. We're going to pass over to Matty, who's got a plan to ask you about that we're all intrigued to get to know your thoughts on. Everyone watching wants your opinion on this, Tim, and I'm, I'm delighted to be able to, to, to ask you the question. Um, Emerson Royal, um, he's, you know, in, in this season so far, he's been, been given the nod uh, starting all three of our games. Um, last season, it, it was a kind of up and down season, a few mixed performances, um, but got a, a number of, of opportunities towards the end of the season with the, the injury picked up by Matt Doherty, which ruled him out for uh, a lot of the, the closing weeks. The, the biggest kind of challenge for Emerson has been converting to a wing back, being more offensive, more attacking, where previously he was a fullback. And it's it's a, that kind of attacking impetus that has just been letting him down, I think, in the eyes of, of many Tottenham fans um, during his time at the club. But he does seem to be uh, in, in the pecking order. And we heard from uh, a few journalists yesterday or the day before that he, he's happy, he's settled at Spurs. Um, do you think he will still be at Spurs by the end of the window? But most importantly, do you think he's going to keep that place in the starting eleven? I, I can't imagine anyone spending the amount of money that Tottenham spent on him to take him anywhere else. You know, personally, I think we played, we, we paid over the odds for him. Uh, and I think he is, he is very happy here and he seems a nice bubbly, happy go lucky character to, to have, to have around. Yeah. And that, yeah. that that's important. He has virtues, but I think he is a player with a ceiling. Uh, I don't think he's he's ever going to be a world beater, and it is significant. I think that um, that Brazil, if you get past Danilo and Daniel Alves, who's thirty nine, there's no one else as a right back. You know that. But that if if he was any good, genuine world class, he would be hard to keep out of the Brazil squad. And they had a look at him, and he he blotted his copy. He got a ridiculous first half sending off away to Ecuador and uh, well that makes it difficult for him um I don't particularly like him defensively I do like his physicality and I think that's that's what's got him in the team that physical capacity to 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 work the line I actually think he probably offers more going forward than he does defending, although he's never going to be the most subtle player. I do wonder what Conte is going to do with this position because certainly Emerson Royale is, is, a, is a reasonable option. But I just wonder if he might try at some point, especially against more defensive opponents, I wonder if he might try playing Lucas Mora there. It's interesting because obviously he's played in there, Tim, in pre-season. Uh, obviously, he played, I think, most of the games, if not starting, but when coming on, converting him to a right wing back. I mean, is that, you think, his future position or is that just a way of getting him game time in the team? I wouldn't have thought that it would be his ideal position. But the way that the front three have worked so well have made it hard for, for, for him to get in. And if... And he, he he can cause havoc running at defenders. He's he's terrific running running at defenders. He can cut in on on, on the diagonal. So I, I would have thought that would be something. Say against Wolves, for example. No, at the weekend, that would have been something well worth having a look at. Mm. I think. Yeah. 
But I mean, from from you from your perspective, just on Emerson, Tim. Listen, as you said, from reports we understand, again, Ali Gold, close friend of the show, Ali seems to say as well, bubbly character, loved around the camp. He's got obviously a lot of friends with the South American lads there, and Romero, of course, Benson Core. He's got his Brazilian boys there, and in more Richardson seems really happy. I just wonder, do you, can you see him improving any more? I, I think Conte, he's got a ceiling. Okay. I think he, he's he's one of those players who both technically and mentally there's only so far that he can go which is not to 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 throw him out at all i think he can be useful but i don't think he's i don't see him as a as as a world beater and i don't see him let's say defining stages of the champions league in 3 years time let's say i don't see him there no, that's fair. Listen, well, uh, as always with Emerson Royale, polarised opinions, certainly on last one, I suppose. I can tell you, Tim, post-match shows on here from one week to the next or game by game. You're not sure what you're going to get in terms of opinions. Like I say, he's loved, uh, sometimes not as loved. I'll put that really politely. But uh, he's always a character that does... But if, uh, if he's one of those players who's, who's you either love him or you hate him, can hmm. I say that I like him? No, that's fine. <laughs> Middle ground. And that's someone, and that's, uh, that's, uh, I saw the nicer area we've had so far on Emerson Royale. So, Tim Bickery sitting in the nicer camp. Uh, Tim, I'm one player I'm sure you like, you probably love, uh, certainly we've fallen in love with him, and that's Christian Romero. I think we all have that feeling with Romero that he is, well, in my opinion, I think he's going to go on to become one of the best defenders in the world, just as long as he curbs that aggression to some degree. Um, although we love that aggression, that probably is what makes him as a player. I don't know, Tim, that you saw, obviously, last week, we had kind of conflicting reports coming out over his injury. We had a situation where um, Spurs' medical staff obviously informed the UK media that the player was likely to miss between three to four weeks. And very quickly when that came out, subsequently later on that evening, we had, we had Romero's camp informing Argentina media that he's, he's, he's not actually you know, that hurt. I think it, you know, it was referred to as a muscle injury, which Romero denied, uh, or Romero's camp denied. They suggested that it was more of a case of the injury that he had sustained from Marco Cucurella um, in that Chelsea game. How hard is that? Tim, I mean, listen, you're in that journalist world, although obviously far, far away from the UK media um, in terms of location. How hard is that when you've got conflicting reports? You've got one camp, you know, in the players' camp saying he'll be back sooner. You've got the club's medical staff suggesting it might be longer. Is that difficult to report on, do you think? Bearing in mind you've got two different camps? Yeah, well, I think you have to bear in mind that every report that you get from whoever it comes from is biased one way or the other. Uh, and, and especially with the growth of the clubs as producers of media content. One of the things that I love about football journalism is that when the game starts, the pieces are all on the chessboard. Now, it's that 11 plus substitutes against that 11. And let's see what's going to happen. And we, we can, we can, we can analyze that. You can get lost emotionally in the emotion of the game. It's one of the great pleasures that football offers. But you, you can also step back and, well, why is Team A better than, than Team B? All the pieces are on the chessboard. Anyone who's not there is irrelevant for, for, for that 90 minutes. So that, that's the side of it that, that I like. I wonder what, whether in this case, because I think one possible problem with Romero is the number of niggling little injuries that he mm. picks up. And you, you talked about him growing into being one of the, one of the best defenders around, and you talked about reining it in. Yes, 
That's maybe one problem. But perhaps an even bigger problem is the number of niggling little injuries that he can pick up. So I wonder why that, that was why his camp were quick to get out to Argentina. No, it's not a serious problem. Because he's he's a hugely important figure in Argentina because he he's the best centre back that they produced in a in a in a long long time. He's he's the cornerstone, and you can see how their defence improves from the minute that he gets into the national team in June uh, in June of last year. And the the, the, the stats, the defensive stats, and the number of goals they're conceding just drops massively as a result of of his inclusion. So that's a worry for them. The amount of injuries that that that's uh, that he picks up. And I see that as a potential worry, you know, and this happens with, with, with some players, mm. they're injury prone. I and mean, look at the, the giant yeah. Colombian center back at Everton, Yeti Mina, you know, he's never fit. That gangling frame finds it hard to, to, to cope with, with, with the physical rigors of, of, of uh, top class football. So I, I worry a little bit about that with Romero. Romero is one who, who really surprised me because, and I watched him for Argentina at under 20 level, and I never thought this is the one. I think his time, it was initially on loan at Atalanta, was really, really important for his development because he, he had to learn how to defend in a front forward team. And that's great for Tottenham as well, you know, because uh, he is happy to defend on the front foot to go into the, into those places where the cautious centre-back won't want to go. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll drop back and, and defend close to his goalkeeper. Mm. That has a risk. He's he, 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 he going he's gonna to have to expose himself sometimes. Yeah. He's happy to take that risk. Mm. And I think he's a far better player for being happy to take that risk. So, yes, I'm, I'm very optimistic about his, his development, but I am concerned about the quantity of niggling little injuries. Look, he's he's one player that that Spurs spent a lot of money on that that did quite well. But one on on, on the flip side of that would be a man who, who's just completed his move to uh, to Villarreal and is Giovanni Lo Celso, um, flew to Spain last Friday uh, ahead of joining on on a season long loan, which is I think a typical Daniel Levy move. And that Villarreal wouldn't quite agree to uh, to that option to buy, but Levy managed to 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 put in there a clause that if Tottenham do get a permanent offer in January, that we can then end that loan with Villarreal and allow the player to move elsewhere. Um, Look, from from my perspective, in in that summer of uh, of 2019, I thought we were finally backing Pochettino and players that that would be so beneficial and and so huge for us going forward. And the Celso was was definitely one of those. I haven't quite been able to to figure out why it didn't work out with him or in Dombley, but on on the Celso front, why why do you think it it never worked out as far as for him? Yeah, I'm very disappointed as well. He's he's one of those players. And if if Romero took me by surprise. Lo Celso, you know, right from the first time I saw him, that left foot is like a magic wand, you know. Uh, so he, he's a player, and I felt a very, very Tottenham player as well, you know, right in in, in our tradition of, of ball-playing midfielders. Uh, a number of justifications. One is the way that he was brought in. Last day of the transfer window, you know, playing poker. Uh, another is injuries. You know, imagine if we'd had him all the way through during that, that pre-season. Mm. Yeah. It would have been so much easier to, to, to bed him in. Yeah. I really don't like that model of business. I think that's... I think it's a false economy because what you gain in maybe waiting to the end of the window to pay a lower price, you lose in the fact that you haven't had him for the six weeks beforehand and pre-season and, 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 and so on. 
Uh, injuries didn't help. Uh, Pochettino going helped even less. And the fact that he was in great contrast to the more recent signings, he was being thrown into a side that just wasn't working. And there seemed to be a general air of discontent around the place. And the, uh, the, the League Cup final, you know, I thought he was probably our, our most creative player. He played one gorgeous pass and he had one shot that was just it was the only time we ever threatened. Mm-hmm. And you get on social media afterwards and it's full of people having a pop at him. So in, 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 in part, I think he was a victim of, a, of, a, of a, an unhealthy atmosphere. Does lack genuine pace. And I think that was a problem. But the thing that most surprised me and disappointed me most is that if you're watching for Argentina, him and Messi have just got a sweet thing going. Got a lovely thing going. And I really expected him to forge that kind of relationship with Harry Kane. I really expected that. And that, that didn't seem to happen. Possibly he was played, and there were times when he was played too high up the pitch. Because he, he, he does lack that express pace. And the higher up the pitch you go, the tougher the marking is going to be. Uh, and, and so uh, sometimes I thought it, it was just, it was a little bit harder, hard for him to find space because he was, he was pushed up high. Had he been a little bit deeper, I remember one game under Nuno when Delhi was playing deep and he was playing up high. And I was thinking, it yeah. just doesn't make any, makes no sense no. whatsoever. No, that made sense it's under Nuno, Tim. Yeah. I think we're still trying to get, make sense out of that period. <laughs> Yeah, but but sometimes you just have to shrug your shoulders and say, you know, one of those things. Yeah. Uh, and he's subsequently, you know, Villarreal, he's, they want him. Mm. He, he 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 didn't, you know, he was a, he was a, an important player for them, and they didn't get mm. too far away from the final of the Champions League. Yes. So yeah. uh, you know, it, it, if if a player doesn't come off at a, at a certain club, it doesn't necessarily mean that he's he's a bad player. Mm. One of those things, and I'm very disappointed because I was really really looking forward to it. Just before Matty comes back, go on, sorry. Go on, Matty. No, go for it. I was going to say, do you think, Tim, we'd be having a different conversation about Lacelso if Pochettino had been given more time? Yes. Well, and if he'd been, if he'd come in to do pre-season and if he'd played longer under, under Pochettino, yes, I think we would. I'm, I'm fascinated because, I mean, just on that, you, it's, it's all with some buts, isn't it? You know, if it had that have happened, we don't know what player we might have had. Um, do you reckon, Tim? You know, will, will he go on to recover that form that we saw? That well, he has already. Pers- that's, you know, he got Villarreal to the, you know, close yeah. to the final of the Champions League. But, I mean, do, he's, do, he's do, part of an Argentina team that have gone yeah. like, thirty games unbeaten. So you know, the dip is only with us. Do you think, though? I mean, in terms of Villarreal, will that be his ceiling, or can you see him going to a? I'm not saying Spurs are a much bigger club than Villarreal, but obviously in terms of what Villarreal achieved to get to the Champions League final, as they did, or semi-finals. But do you think that will be sitting now? Or do you think you will see him go on to get to one of the biggest clubs in Spain or Italy or around the no, world he, eventually? He, 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 did, did, he did Paris Saint-Germain before. Uh, and that they, I remember they threw him at the deep end as a holding midfielder and he couldn't mm. do that. that, that and and it, was, it was too early for him. Mm. But for a club like that, he's, I don't think he's, he's quick enough higher up the field. So I think that that's he's probably found his place in life. Okay, uh, it's really interesting. Again, it's intriguing because it's all ifs and buts. But it's interesting to get that thoughts on it. Matty, let's hand back to you. Yeah, I was just looking at this next question. I think it it, it gives us a brilliant insight into how good we are as fans, as far as fan base, in in, in kind of gauging how well transfers work. Because if we were very excited uh, about the Lascelles signing, there was a lot of question marks raised within the the, the Tottenham fan base when uh, Fabio Parati raided his former club. 
back at the, the end of January with the signings of Dejan Kulusevski and uh, Rodrigo Bentancourt. Um, both of them made an immediate impact in the starting 11, played a, a huge, crucial part in, in us uh, qualifying for the Champions League again. Uh, Bentancourt, his, I, one of my favourite things about that move was when, when he left, Juventus released a statement saying goodbye, you know, thanking him for his service to the club, and he had the most ball recoveries, he had the most tackles, he had the most interceptions, he had so much on, on the defensive side of the game. Whereas for me, I was kind of looking at how he got a bit more creativity in that midfield. I think for me, just showed how, how well-rounded he was, but he, he's calm and composed, and, and that did add a lot to our midfield, perhaps in what we were lacking a little bit in the in the previous duo in there. Um, of course, Kulusevski doing fantastically as well, linking up so well, so well with Kane and Son. But on, on Bentoncourt, has his transition into how easily he, he's kind of adapted to the Premier League, has, has that surprised you? And do you think, I suppose, outside of Spurs, do you think he's underrated in, in what he actually adds to this side? Oh, I think he's a class act and I've followed him all, all the way. We were talking about inexplicable failures. I could never understand why I didn't come off for him at Juventus. I really don't know. Mm. Um, and again, he's a player, he's a little bit quicker than he looks, but he, he lacks extreme pace. But I love the way, you mentioned it, the, the way that he can tranquilise the game. But he, he'll, he'll bring the ball under control treat it nicely, caress it, and he can dictate the rhythm from deep. That, that, that's, a, that's a vital part of his, of his play for me. And when we've got, you know, front three with the pace of those wide men, perhaps playing a little bit deeper, the pace isn't, isn't quite, some, quite so important because the ball moves far, far quicker than, than the man does. And, uh, so I'm delighted to see him at Tottenham. I, I was when he came, I was a little bit put out purely on the basis of of uh, of coming from Hemel Hempstead because uh, it's funny to so that many people picked up on this. Tim, what you're going to say next? Go on, I'll let you say it. Because uh, uh, Harry Winks comes from Hemel Hempstead. That's it. Yeah, yeah. And we went to the same school, not at different times. Only I was only there for a couple of years. Uh, I found that out reading a Tottenham program when I was That's back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, so, you know, he's obviously an upgrade on, on Harry Winks, but I want Harry, as a Hemel Hempstead nationalist, you know, I want Harry Winks to, to, to have as many opportunities as, 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 as he And he's a player that Pochettino brought on wonderfully, who has looked a little bit lost ever since ever since Pochettino left. Um, but all right, if, we, if I accept a defeat for Hemel Hempstead on that one, then, uh, uh, um, yeah, <laughs> drop the ball once when I said that I didn't know what Benton Gore can bring us, which we don't already have with Harry Winks. I confess to an excess of Hemel Hempstead loyalism there. <laughs> there you go, King Hoddle. There you go. But with with, with Benton Gore, uh, and I, I used to watch him for Boca. The first time I watched him for Boca Juniors in Argentina, I thought he was left-footed. Uh, and then I remember seeing him because he, 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 he's, he's two-footed, you know. And then he, he, he took a penalty. Hang on a minute, he's right-footed, you know. He, I've never seen anyone take a penalty with their wrong foot. I have to accept that he's he's uh, he's right-footed. He's always reminded me of of Lucho Gonzalez. Uh, Lucho Gonzalez played for Argentina. Mm, yeah, played for what in play France. Played in Portugal. Talented player. Uh, um, can fill a number of midfield positions. Mm. Brings the ball under control and just makes the game look look easy. Um, so uh, yeah, a very a, a very Tottenham central midfielder, I think, mm. with a, with a nice little bit of Uruguayan nastiness on the blind side. So mm. uh, yeah, bring him on. 
Absolutely. Uh, concert time, Tim. We're going to go for our final break of the show for our listeners and audio. When you arrive during the season, it's not easy. This is quite the welcome in North London. It was a big challenge for me. And it looks like they pinched all three points. This type of situation make me uh, a bit angry. Surely not another twist. I was a bit scared before the game. Oh, and it's in! It's Harry Kane with the header! Look what it means! to the new head coach. We needed to work very hard. Stephen Bergwijn! I don't believe it! They were going home with nothing. They leave with everything. Yes! It was the tough period. Oh, and he's curled it into the top corner. He's done it again! Important three points for us. And Lucas Moura! The fight for Champions League football is going to go right to the wire. At the end of the season, one point instead zero point can change your life. Did you believe top four was possible? Yes. For our watchers on YouTube, there's still a good 300, 400 of you watching us live, uh, battling live football, joined by the wonderful Matty Hayes, runs a superb Spurs YouTube channel. Check him out for all the latest transfer news. Still two weeks to go, still enough time to get some business done. And we're joined by the wonderful Tim Vickery. Honestly, great to have Tim back on last one on Spurs. Tim... You know what? I mean, I will just ask you quickly about this before I bring Matty back in. Um, Kulisevsky, I know, again, it's some a different you know, continent uh, in terms of Sweden, but how impressed have you been also based on how well Spurs have pulled off that double deal for Kulisevsky and Benson? I mean, it's, it's, unbelievable. And when crazy, he came right? in, I didn't, I thought, is this an upgrade on, you know, mm. Lucas Moore on the, is this an up? Yeah, no, I'm just delighted. Uh, it, it, th- that's something that I, I honestly didn't see that didn't see that one coming. I didn't know him particularly well anyway, um, but I, I really didn't think that uh, he would come in and make the impact that he has. It's fantastic. I mean, it, it's it's the part of the team mm. that functioned best didn't it, in the, the closing stages of last season, yep. which makes it all the more intriguing that it's a part of the team that they spent a lot of money reinforcing, bringing yeah. in Richarlison. Absolutely. No, I totally agree. Matty, we'll hand back to you. One mute, Matty, first. Apologies. We've got you. Um, <laughs> speaking of, of, of Richarlison, and you, you mentioned the word nasty with um, that Uruguay nastiness for Bentoncourt a few minutes ago. Uh, Antonio Conte used the, the exact same word talking about Richarlison, said he likes the, the focused, nasty Richarlison, yeah. um, and, and that he expects to play with, with four strikers uh, in many games for Tottenham this season. And Richarlison, you know, added, added his depth, his, his role so far, especially at Stamford Bridge, has been you know, coming on and, and, and changing the game with that drive and, and with that aggression. And I, I spoke earlier about the, the Vincent Janssens and the, the Carlos Vinicius that the Tottenham have had in the past. Um, do you think Richarlison is, is that man for Spurs? Do you think he'll, he'll provide more value for money than, than Gabriel Jesus, who we were uh, apparently interested in as well? Well, there's a, there's a clear contrast between them. And part of the problem that Gabriel Jesus has had in his career is versatility. That can be a problem. And he's, he's, he's had to define himself. Richarlison doesn't have that problem. He knows exactly what he is. He, he always reminds me of a racehorse wearing blinkers. You don't get a lot back to goal out of him. He wants to come in on the diagonal when he just sees the goal. We, yeah, we, we, Joe, we literally saw that the weekend, Tim. We, yeah. we, didn't we see that? We saw it the weekend when the one movie came on. That's what he was aiming for, going straight for goal. It's fascinating you said that. I mean, literally, that is described in his movie at the weekend. That's what he does. Gabriel Jesus is, I suspect, a very nice guy. And I don't mean this to, to have a go at him. But there's a little bit of a kind of mummy's boy about him. 
He was brought up. His mum is just a fucking hero. His mum's like a single mother. Dad walked out. Her husband walked out. She's bringing up kids on her own on a cleaner salary, and she's brought them up the right way. You know, it, it, it's it's heroic what his mum has done. But him as the younger son, you know, he's been a little bit protected in that. Richarlison is just an evil, self-confident beast, and that's why he's gone to Tottenham. You know, I was talking about this on Brazilian TV and and yeah. and saying. Well, it's a gamble because we're just a few months away from the World Cup. You know, they're, they're kind of competing for a place. Not necessarily, you know, they, they could line up with one of them in the team. They could line up with neither of them in the team. They ain't going to line up with both. And Gabriel Jesus went to a club where he's going to play. Richarlison's gone to a club where he's got to earn the right to play. And the fellows were saying, you know, and I agree with 100%, that's Richarlison. Back himself in any situation. He's a big character. Um, I have to say, he's one who's amazed me during his career. And I used to watch him every week. He used to play in, in here in Rio for Fluminense, and I never saw it. And I wasn't alone in that. Um, when Watford bought him, I didn't see it. I didn't think his decision making was going to be up to it. And Watford, who obviously they're scouting is, you know, that the whole Potsy, Udinese thing. They're, they're scouting his first rate. All credit to him. They'd seen it and they made, they made a fortune on him. Uh, and after this, when I was going to the games of Fluminense on the, on, the, on the underground or at the stadium, I always asked the fans, you know, did you see it? All of them, with one exception, said, no, we never imagined he was this good. Even a club director said, you know, I had no idea he was this good. One fan who knows English football quite well he said to me, yeah, I thought he'd do it right because it's a great expression because of that kamikaze intensity. Mm. Uh, I think that, that's a great way of, of, of summing up Richarlison, mm. that kind of kamikaze in, in, intensity. And he's gone from Watford to Everton and he thinks he can do better. And uh, it's a gamble that he's taken because he has to force his way into the team. Obviously, five substitutions and a, and a long season. In the long term, he hasn't got any problems. But in the build-up to the World Cup, he might he might have problems. But he, he's he's going to back himself to, uh, uh, to, to do it. There, there are going to be times when he's going to infuriate you because he's not going to see the option and he's going he's to take the shot when, when, he, when he should do something else. But kamikaze intensity. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's lots that he brings. And it is fascinating to see the club spending big money to strengthen a part of the team that was already strong. That's what I, I remember reading a story, um, a few, I think it was a few years ago, when he was at Everton about Richarlison. And it could have been maybe when he first made that step up from, from his local side to, to Fluminense. And it was kind of on, on the, the bigger stage a little bit more, you know, it's kind of more the spotlight on him a little bit. And I remember hearing about, I don't know if it's it it like his agent or a coach at the club, but Richard was a, kind of a shy character. He struggled maybe to, to get into the, um, the the dress room a bit and he had to be pushed to go and do interviews. He was, he was too shy. He didn't want to do it. It was you know kind of not within his character. And that, that th the phrase, the kamikaze intensity, it just seems when he when he passes that white line, there's just a switch that flicks and he just seems a completely different person. And he, he only has eyes for one thing and it's for going out on that pitch putting the ball in the back of the net and winning. And someone in the comment used it a second ago, the, the phrase cult hero. I, I think he, he's going to be one that, that every Spurs fan just can't help but adore. Yeah, I can't imagine him exchanging too many Christmas cards with the opposing defenders. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, we saw him with Romero, to be fair, when they joined. the, uh, yeah. the Well, that moment when they both saw each other as Spurs players it was superb. You know, funny, Tim, you know, you said there about backing himself. You know, it's funny because we've seen so many players, you know, not want to come to Tottenham, maybe because they don't want to have to challenge themselves against Harry Kane. But doesn't that speak truer for Charleston, just the unbelievable self-belief that well, no matter what happens, he'll believe he can get game time. You know, players down the years, how many times have we seen players don't really fancy Tottenham, have to compete with Harry Kane? It's unbelievable driving that lad to actually believe he can be part of the squad. Yeah, although I don't really see him as competing with Harry Kane because he can't do loads of the things that Kane does. Mm. You know, he, he can't come back... Yep. Receive back to goal, but he can't do that. I think he's he's competing with Son, right? Because that's okay. his game. You know, yep. wide striker cutting in on the, on the diagonal, going go, going for goal. But you know, when we talk about what's what what Son did last season, mm. those are still big boots to come to to, to compete with. Yeah, they? yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, again, um, you know, finished the Golden Boot winner of last season. I just wondered, in Tim, based on what you're saying there, do you think do you think it'll be on a, on on rare occasions? Then we'll see. Richarlison played as an alternative to Kane as a number nine in that team. Do you Possibly. see more as a wing option? Possibly, although then the lack of the attacking midfielder becomes more of a gap because mm. Kane fulfills some of that role, albeit dropping and playing back to goal. Yep. But if you put Richarlison in, in as a nine, then someone is going to have to be threading the passes through for him. So that that, that will need a rejigging of, of, of the midfield, I think. Okay, conscious of time. I'm going to let Matty take the last question of the show uh, purely because we've had a couple of questions coming that I'm really keen to ask you to finish the show on, Tim. So if Matty's all good to take the final question, we'll let Matty do that now and then we'll close the show on a couple of uh, questions going on in. Over to you, Matty. Yeah, I think I'd always say be careful with this one, Tim, because if you, if you give the wrong answer, the, the viewers might be a bit, uh, a bit frustrated. But on, on the season ahead and the, the expectations and the, the possibilities of what Spurs can do, do you think Antonio Conte feels as though he can genuinely challenge for the title with this with this Spurs squad? And it's probably more appropriate than ever with Liverpool having their uh, their faltering start to the season. But do you think he can challenge for that? And a kind of second question there as well: Do you think Spurs will will get in many more players before the end of the window to to help them do that? I hope that the serious business has already been done, and anyone who's who's going to come in from now will be more long-term than a player who's going to, who's going to, although there, there is a World Cup as a pause. So you, you have got time to, uh, um, to, to, to bet them in there. Win the title this year? I, I wouldn't have thought so. I, I wouldn't have thought there's enough there. Um, but I'm sure he's starting to think, you know what, maybe next season or the season after, because I, I don't think he would have taken a job unless he really believed that within three or four years, that, mm. that would be a realistic possibility. Yeah, uh, it's, it's fascinating. It really, really is. Um, we've got a couple of statements or listener questions here, Tim, if you don't mind answering for us. Uh, this is our Pesh Patel on the screen who says, uh, Tim, are there any players you'd recommend that the big clubs may have missed in this transfer window from South America? Anybody, Tim, that we should be keeping an eye on that you think we could be missing out on? There's not a lot of business of big players straight from South America. doesn't happen these days. What the, the big clubs want is they want to take the kids. They want to take the 18-year-olds. So we're in a situation now in South America where South America is its not losing the best players of its club game. It's losing the best prospects, the best teenagers. There aren't many. who The ones who can go straight in are few and far between. Like Julian Alvarez, who City have bought, is already 22. That's pretty much the cutoff point. Um, you occasionally find one who can come straight in. Moses Caicedo of Brighton, who Brighton, 
held back for a while and are now getting the benefit from. Um, but if if there's one, he's not in South America. He's in he's in Mexico. He's in Central America. Uh, also from Ecuador, big centre back um, Felix Torres, who I think Santos Laguna he plays for in Mexico. When he came about a year ago, he came into the Ecuador side and he just revolutionised their defence. Giant defender, quicker quick across the ground, dominating in both penalty areas. If you can imagine an improved version of of Davo Davinson Sanchez. I think there's uh, – uh, so he he's one who – it amazes me that he's still not in Europe. He's, he's around the 25 mark. Mm. If he has a good World Cup, he'll, he'll, he'll definitely move on. Um, Ecuador and Brighton are, are buying Ecuador, you know, because Ecuador, the players coming out of Ecuador at the moment, they're, they're, they tend to be very physically strong, which makes them good bets for the, for the Premier League. So if you're looking at a country, then Ecuador is an interesting country to have a look at. Okay, fantastic. And we'll keep an eye, obviously, of course, on Davinson Sanchez. But Tim, very quick on that, you think for now he'll be a Spurs player coming in the window as far as you're concerned at the moment? You reckon, Tim? What, Davo? Davo, yeah. I would imagine so, yeah. I, mean, yeah. I, I like his... I, I, I know he's frustrating. Um, but I, I like his, his, his pace. I, I like his, his, his commitments. Mm. And if, if we're going to defend high, then you've got to have some defensive pace. Yeah. And we've got an injury-prone defender in, in Romero. So you need strength mm. and depth. Yeah. You know, it's funny, Tim, he's been called many things on his show, but I think it's the first one he's been called Davo. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's good, good to know, isn't it? Good to know that. Um, final couple of questions. Uh, HR says uh, on the screen, Tim, um, do you think a Lucas Paqueta would fit in in a 3-4-3 formation at Spurs alongside Basuma? Lots of speculation about him, but it's gone very quiet, which is probably why we didn't ask you about him earlier in the show. Lucas Paqueta Yeah, speculation with Newcastle as well. Um, mm. Lucas, yep. Lucas Paqueta is at Lyon at the moment. He's a, he's a tall, elegant, left-footed attacking midfielder. Uh, one of the things that he's got is real versatility. Uh, and he plays for Brazil. He's a starter for Brazil. He's got a sweet thing going with Neymar. And I've seen him for Brazil fill three positions in the same game. Um, attacking midfielder, deeper midfielder, although he tends to showboat and lose, lose the ball too close to his own goal. Centre forward. And I've even seen, I've seen him play as, kind of a, as a withdrawn winger as well. Lovely left foot. Really, really classy. Problem with him, he's a little bit petulant. Okay, uh, which is one of the reasons that I think people haven't haven't spent big money on him so far. And he went to Milan, didn't come off there, did very well at Lyon, and then I think he, he had a little bit of a sulk uh, at Lyon. So I would worry a little bit about what person you're bringing in, but the the the, the, the intelligence, the versatility, the left-footed class, I, I, I like all of those things. So he's one of those you'd file a little bit under gamble. Okay, interesting. We've got two final questions, Tim, if you don't mind. Vinny says there, question for Tim, among European clubs, there's no appetite at all South America. feel like Tottenham could do so with such a large contingent of players from the region. Uh, I think we was over there. It ain't where the money is. It ain't where the money is. You know, you go to the United States or you go to Asia and you make your money that way. Um, Tottenham did tour. Uh, 120 years ago, there was a tour. Alf, Ram, uh, Alf Ramsey, I think Alf Ramsey came over with Southampton to be to be fair to him just before he joined Tottenham. Um, I can't see it. I and mean, if they want to do the Americas, they go to the States rather than South America. Okay, interesting. And final one there, Tim King Hoddle. He's already given that a mission for Harry Winks earlier in the show. King Hoddle says there, will a potential lack of game time at Spurs impact Richie starting for Brazil at the World Cup? Thoughts on that, that's, Tim? Obviously, that's the gamble that he's taking. Cool. That's why I was I was a little bit surprised that he decided on this move. You know, I thought he might wait because it's vital to him. When, when he, he says when he when he's out training, 
He always pretends he's playing for Brazil against Argentina in a World Cup. So, you know, he really, really wants it. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it's indicative of how much he'll back himself that he's taken this move when he could have maybe waited till the next transfer window, you know, and just just played every week for Everton and, and, and been, been more sure about his World Cup chances. Uh, so the fact that he said, no, I'll, I'll, I'll go in, in the summer transfer window shows that he thinks that he's, he's got what it takes to make a huge impact. Tottenham, big character. Yeah. We, we, we've, there's a big character there. He's going to frustrate you, but you're going to love him as well. I love it. Fantastic. Listen, Tim, it's been an absolute pleasure. Very quick before we find out where we can all find where Tim's wonderful content he provides is, where it's at. Matty, thank you so much for coming back on Last One on Spurs. Always a pleasure. Matt, where can we find out and where can we see all your wonderful content you provide to the Spurs community? Yeah, no, it's always a, always a pleasure coming on, Ricky, and I keep on thanking you for, for allowing me to spend my evenings with incredible guests like Tim. Um, so thank you very much for having me. Um, my channel is Matty's Tottenham Blog. Uh, we just talk just transfers, really. Um, been a bit been a bit quiet on the channel over the last week or two, but we'll definitely be, be ramping up to what is hopefully an exciting end to the window. Um, and on Twitter as well, at Matt Hayes, THFC. Um, a bit more regular in the updates there and sometimes a bit more bizarre as well. I, I some Pascal Chimbanda musings last week, which some people may find interesting, but always, always a pleasure coming on here with you, Ricky. Pleasure, Matt. It sums up Twitter itself with Pascal Chimbanda still getting a mention in the Spurs shirt. Tim... <laughs> It's been an absolute pleasure having you back on last one on Spurs. Thank you for your time, given it's a match night as well. I know, obviously, it's not a South American match, but it's still a big night in terms of the Premier League. Tim, I can't believe I'm even asking you this. For anyone that doesn't know uh, where they can find you, where can they find your wonderful content you provide? Almost everything finds its way to Twitter, which is, uh, I think, Tim underscore Vickery. Um, World Soccer doesn't. World Soccer magazine, which is uh, which is uh, an interesting one to buy. Uh, and, yeah, I think every, everything kind of finds finds its way there. Uh, and uh, thanks for having me. Thanks for putting up with me. See you around. Pleasure. The wonderful Tim Vickery, Matty Hayes. Again, make sure you you check Tim out. It's a world-renowned, of course, sports journalist covering all football. Loves a little bit of Tottenham. We're a little bit closer to him, maybe. But uh, we'll be sure to get Tim back on last one on Spurs, hopefully in the near future. But from Tim, from Matt, from myself, guys, thank you so much for watching us live, as always, on last one on Spurs. Keep safe. And as always, come on, you Spurs. Sports Social Podcast Network.